Welcome back to the G Truth, the one and only good truth, with your host, myself, Giovanni Canales. We had an amazing day of free agency, or amazing week of free agency. Free agency opened last Sunday, and boy, did we get a whole lot of stuff. We got KD and Kyrie linking up in Brooklyn with the Brooklyn Nets, with the Brooklyn Nets, right out of the gate. We got some trades going on. We got the Hornets picking up Terry Rozier. We got the Jads getting stronger. We got the Warriors somehow getting D'Angelo Russell out of the Nets in a sign-in trade, essentially, of D'Angelo Russell in exchange for what is apparently KD. So they got something out of it. The Knicks lost everything they cleared up all this cap space and couldn't get anyone and they picked up three power forwards three power forwards classic Knicks and they said that oh we didn't give KD the maximum offer but you got to and I'll go into that a bit later on and then we have Kawhi Leonard who is yet to make a decision he is yet to make a decision we believe that there are three teams left on the table. The Toronto Raptors, the LA Lakers, and the LA Clippers. It's either coming home or he's going back to Toronto. And I'm not going to try to predict it because, let's be honest, people are going to say that they know, but do they know? No. They don't know. People are going to say, oh, he's definitely going back to Toronto, 100%. Or at least 99.9%. And they throw in these like weird percentages to kind of like get themselves out of any, any situation that they get it wrong. Like, oh, it was just the 0.1% that I was talking about. Or they'll say, oh, he's guaranteed to go to LA, to the Clippers or the Lakers. Because he's a proven man. Etc, etc. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the winners and the losers. Of this free agency. The craziest NBA free agency. That has happened in a long time. The biggest winners. Clearly. Reside in the East. And the West. The Brooklyn Nets. And. Out of Utah. The Utah Jazz. The biggest losers. Also in New York. The New York Knicks. And then and then I'm also going to throw in the Charlotte Hornets. And I'm not going to go over them in depth, but this is basically, this is basically what I'm going to say about the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all time, the greatest basketball player that has ever walked the earth, is perhaps one of the worst owners in NBA history. You don't let Kemba Walker walk. You just don't. Yes, you can say, oh, I don't want to pay the uh, luxury tax, all that stuff. You're a billionaire. You don't have to worry about paying the luxury tax. You don't got to worry about that. And then also you pay 
Terry Rozier all this money, and you have no team. You let Jeremy Lamb. Well, actually, he wasn't there. You let Jeremy Lamb walk. You let Frank Kaminsky go away. I mean, really, you don't have a team in Charlotte. The only team, the, the only player in Charlotte that, that I know is Terry Rozier. Everyone else is. Who? Who's on that team? The Knicks are horrible. The Hornets, as I said previously, are a dumpster fire. But the one team that has gotten their stuff together over the past couple years is the Brooklyn Nets. And it has yielded and it has yielded them this summer. The duo, or actually maybe trio, I can say now, of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and the third wheel of DeAndre Jordan. Now, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant have planned a meetup this free agency for over a year since last season. The only question was where they would meet up. Would it be New York? Would it be Brooklyn? Would it be in Boston? Where would it be? And they finally settled for the Brooklyn Nets. And, and it's no mistake that they ended up with the Brooklyn Nets. Maybe if KD was healthy, they would have gone to New York. But he's not healthy. He's injured with a ruptured Achilles. So they went to Brooklyn. Kyrie already burnt all bridges leading to Boston. They weren't going to go anywhere else. It was between New York and Brooklyn. And Brooklyn it was. And the only reason why is because Brooklyn built up a culture. Not of winning. But but a culture unlike the New York Knicks that did not rely on the glamour of New York. It relied on the culture. Not of winning. But of being a stable foundation and organization itself. Unlike the New York Knicks who we know are dysfunctional. You got James Dolan. I mean, is there more to be said about James Dolan and the New York Knicks? Instability and dysfunction. They got a nice head coach in Brooklyn. Kenny Atkinson. And they had the cap space too. And they had the allure of New York. But all these together, not solely the allure of New York, brought Kyrie, KD, and DeAndre Jordan to Brooklyn. Now, I've said, I don't trust Kyrie Irving by himself in Brooklyn. But I did say also that if KD comes with them, you got to take it. No matter what, you got to take it. Because KD will take you there to the promised land. Kyrie, not so much. But what they're, what they're going to try to do is win a title as friends in their own little mini banana boat sort of thing. Much like LeBron, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade as a member of the Miami quote-unquote Heatles. And this is all because I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant is not as fulfilled as he wanted to be by winning the championships with the Golden State Warriors. Because although he did get credit for 
getting the finals MVPs, making those game three shots when it mattered the most. He did not truly get all the credit of building that culture up, making them, making them a championship team. He got the credit for making them unstoppable, not a championship team or leading them to, to the championship. Now, I believe that with Kyrie Irving leading the team for the first year there, because KD will be out with the injury and healing up, they'll be a playoff team. No, no doubt about it. They won't win 50 games. They'll win less than that. They'll be all right. Nothing great. They'll probably be a first or second round exit. They'll be a playoff team. Granted, it's due to probably the East being weaker not having as many great teams as the Western Conference. If you put that Nets team with Kyrie and no KD in the Western Conference, they're not making the playoffs. They're not. Let's be real, they're not. But in the East, they will. They'll be fine in the East. But it'll probably be a first or second round exit, and that's that. And that's all right. That's all right. It's just what Kyrie can do. He can make the playoffs in the East, but he won't really make them a championship contender. No championship. But I'm telling you, that second year when they get KD back, ooh, ooh, it's going to be nasty. Now, people are saying, oh, KD, he'll probably need a year back to fully get back to his previous self or that he may not get to his previous self at all. I say, give him maybe a month, a month, a few games, and he'll be right there. He'll be almost exactly his previous self. Because does, is his game predicated on athleticism? Getting to the basket. That Derrick Rose sort of craftiness. Or that LeBron James just barreling down full speed ahead. Not really. He can do that, but it's not predicated. His game's not predicated on that. So he'll be just fine. He's a shooter. He can shoot the ball. You don't need your Achilles to shoot the ball. It helps with pushing off and standing and moving around, but it'll be healed. It'll be just fine. He will be the exact same KD. Exact same KD. Now, my one fear of Kevin Durant being out for the year is not him not achieving that level that he was at before. It's that... Kyrie Irving somehow screws everything up. He screws up the chemistry, and that's that. KD can't save it. Either way, this, this is great for the Nets. This is great for Kevin Durant. But the one loser in all of that is Kyrie Irving. Because no matter what, the narrative will hurt him. That he needs... Someone on the level of KD and LeBron James to give him a championship. That he is not a leader of a team. But the Nets won free agency. Very, very clearly. Now it is super clear that the Nets won free agency. They're in Brooklyn. They won it. They got Kyrie and KD. 
another team in New York wanted that exact same combo. And they had DeAndre Jordan already there. And that is the new that is the New York Knicks. I can't I can't even call them the New York Knicks. They're just the Knicks. Not in New York. They're just the Knicks. <laughs> where, where do I start with with the New York Knicks? It's just classic Knicks. They they opt not to give Kevin Durant a maximum contract. And I get it. I get it. They were concerned about his injury. They didn't know if he was going to be, you know, the same old Kevin Durant. I get all that shenanigans. I get it. I get it. I get it. But name me one person on your roster who is comparable to Kevin Durant. Name me one person. And yes, probably if you offer the max to Kevin Durant, you, you still don't get him because you're the New York Knicks and you suck. I'm putting it out there. Yes, you, you're bad. We get it. We get it. And he's probably not going to come there anyways, even if you give him the maximum contract. But you got to at least try, because you're hurting your fan base. You're hurting your fan base by saying, oh, we, we didn't really want him anyways. We know, well, we know what we're doing here. I'm sorry, you don't. You don't know what you're doing. You got to go all out. And then, I don't even know where to start with the New York Knicks. I really don't. Because they're a mess. And this segment is also probably a mess explaining them because they are a mess. The only thing that I can actually talk about them in free agency, aside from missing out on a great combo, a great trio of DeAndre Jordan, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, the only thing that I can talk about them in free agency is there three power forwards that they got? The three power forwards that they got. Julius Randle, Todd Gibson, and Bobby Portis. Alright, yes, yes, yes. They're great players. They're great players. But you don't need three power forwards. What are you going to do with three power forwards? You got Bobby Portis, who is known to cause trouble. You got Todd Gibson. He's on the end of his curve. The only good pickup out of all of that is Julius Randle. So credit to you, New York Knicks. But really, it's not that brilliant. It's a nice pickup, but literally anyone can make that pick. Anyone can do that. So it's not really some sort of revelation. But I will say it is a nice step forward in the cultural movement. Because let's face it, they've lost New York to the Brooklyn Nets. All New York fans, all New York Knicks fans, I might say, have a bandwagon pass for this year and probably next year too. Actually, for the next three years, actually. I'm going to put that out there. They have the bandwagon pass for the next three years. You can go like the Lakers. You can go root for the Lakers. You can root for the Warriors. You can root for the Nets. For the Mavericks, who actually got kind of nice. You can root for the Jazz. You can root for whoever you want. No one will blame you. You're just like the Suns. No one will blame you for rooting for anyone else. For hopping off the dumpster wagon or dumpster train, really. To somewhere a bit nicer. And for the New York Knicks, what they really lost most out of this whole free agency 
was not only Katie and Kyrie, but they also lost the allure, or at least that cemented their loss of the allure of Madison Square Garden, of the heart of New York. They lost the allure of being a Nick, of being a Knicks player, of being a historical Knicks player. They lost the allure of being in the heart of New York, in Madison Square Garden, and being with the Knicks. As the Nets have risen up, established a culture, and are now prepared to hand the keys over for someone to create history. And the Knicks need to do that now. They gotta start doing that. They gotta stop all this nonsense by saying, oh, we're in New York, we're in New York. People will come, people will come. We're, we're dysfunctional, but that's okay. People will come. They gotta start establishing a culture. The Brooklyn Nets have done that over the past two years. Getting a nice head coach, stopping dysfunction. They finally did something. They got good players. They took a risk on D'Angelo Russell. Calmed him down. You look at the Warriors. How they got their system going. Through the draft. They didn't say, oh, we're going state. We're in the Bay Area. Come. People will, will start coming. And we don't need to you know, build through the draft or, or build a culture. No, 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 no. They didn't do that. They built a culture. They built through the draft. Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. All those players are still there. And then they got the allure of Bay Area, Silicon Valley. They got that allure added onto what they already have, which is why Kevin Durant went there in the first place. Same thing with the Nets. They had a young foundation, a young culture. And then the allure of New York, Brooklyn, got placed on top of that, added to that as extra, and then Kevin Durant and Kyrie went there. That's how it's supposed to work. Now, the Knicks are kind of headed in the right direction. Kind of. Not completely. They're almost there. With, with the pickup of Julius Randle. And that's the only positive for them, this free agency. They're finally in, in a progress mode. Almost. Kind of. They, they took... A small step forward in getting Julius Randle. A good player. He's not going to change the whole organization. But it could be a start of getting that right culture. Now all that's left, and it's going to be difficult, is to get James Dolan and that whole front office out of there. Out of New York. Just out. And that's the truth. They... They need to get that toxicity and that, and that dysfunction out. They got to bring in young players, go through the draft. Just do that. And then you can add the allure of New York. And they'll be just fine. So yes, they lost big in free agency. But they didn't lose everything. They lost, but not everything. The Utah Jazz are second to the Brooklyn Nets in winning free agency. And they didn't do it by getting some splashy pickup like a Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, K- 
Kemba Walker, maybe even an Al Horford, who's a big name out there. But they were smart with the way that they played their hand. And it all starts with that Mike Conley trade from Memphis to Utah. Because while he's not a big name out there, he's not on the level of a Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Stephen Curry. I almost said Chris Paul, but he's around there. He's good. He's a good player. And they were smart with it. Because they didn't go after a big name. They went after fit. Fit, fit, fit. Unlike the Houston Rockets, who went for the big name players, like Chris Paul at the time, and they got stuck with him. The Jazz are not going after big name players. They're going after fit. Mike Conley fitting in that gap of a point guard that they lost in Ricky Rubio and is actually better than Ricky Rubio and can provide as not only a ball handler and distributor, much like Ricky Rubio, but also as a scorer, a consistent scorer, and also as a playmaker. Someone that you can depend on when it matters the most, unlike Ricky Rubio. And what they did this free agency, what the Utah Jazz did this free agency, is did more of that looking for a fit. Because they already got a good defense. They got Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, Mike Conley now. Great defensive team. So now you got to build up that bench. Because that bench in the playoffs was horrible. Didn't do anything. It was all Donovan Mitchell and a bit of Rudy Gobert. That was it. Jay Crowder couldn't hit a shot to save his life against the Houston Rockets except for one game. Joe Ingles had his moments, wasn't really there. Ricky Rubio had his moments, wasn't really there. Derek Favors, not really. But they got players that can actually do something, whether it's play defense or score the three ball. And they looked at, you know, the Toronto Raptors said, hey, they got one superstar, Kawhi Leonard, and they won. Because of injuries. If you're a healthy team, you can win. And they are a young, healthy team. Or relatively young. They're not super young, but they're relatively young. And they and they picked up good 3 and D players. Well, some of them are 3 and D, some are not. Some are three-pointers. Some are solely defense, stuff like that. But they got nice young role players, good role players, to come off the bench and provide valuable minutes for them. Let's look at the four of them. Boyan Bogdanovich from the Indiana Pacers. Is he known for his defense? No. But he is known for scoring, especially the three ball. He can score. Make no mistake about it. He can score. And for the Utah Jazz, he will be great for them when either Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell drives to the basket. They can pass it out to him and he can knock it down. He's a good shooter. He can score for them in the playoffs when it matters the most. They picked up Ed Davis, who's a nice big man. 
They, they picked up Jeff Green, who is a great defender when he wants to be and can create his own shot. They picked up Emmanuel Moutier, who's not known for being an offensive maestro. He's known for more of his defense. But they picked up nice role players that can fit in and do their job. They're not asked to do a whole bunch. They're not, they're not asked to give me 20 points. They're not asked to lock down the best defense, uh, the best offensive player on the other team. They're asked to do little things, and they can do that. They're good role players. And because of these moves, the Utah Jazz are looking like, in my opinion, and I'm pretty sure many other people's opinions, just because of fit and because of their play style and because of their defense that's already there, as one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Now, people may be saying, oh, they are with the Nuggets, with the Rockets, maybe with the Blazers and in a championship contention talks. Now, for me, I'm going to hold back a bit. I don't think they're quite at the championship level. They still got maybe one more year to go to be really there. And that's only because their leader in Donovan Mitchell is still pretty young. Third year. Or, well, this will be his third year. So he's still pretty young. He still has a bit more learning and grooming to do. And I think Mike Conley will help him with that this year. But they're very, very, very close to that. Very close. And next season, not this season, next season, they will be true contenders. True contenders. But I think that this season, they will probably be around the second seed. I think I think that they'll be the second seed. And I will be doing a standings like one through eight for each conference. But right now, I think that it's the Utah Jazz at second seed. Unless, you know, Kawhi goes to the Lakers or something like that. If Kawhi goes to the Lakers or maybe even the Clippers, I might change that around, but it's looking like they're a second seed team to me. They are there, but not quite all the way to the championship level yet, but they're almost there. Trust me on this. They're almost there, and they're going to look great. The 76ers and the Miami Heat engaged in a trade involving Jimmy Butler. And let me essentially give the details of this trade, just players. The Miami Heat got Jimmy Butler and the 76ers got Josh Richardson. That's essentially it. Essentially it. But even though the Miami Heat clearly got the better player, the clear winners of this trade are the 76ers. Because they essentially got rid of someone who didn't want to be there in Jimmy Butler. Even though I would have really liked Jimmy Butler to stay with the Philadelphia 76ers. Because he was a great fit with them. Mentally and basketball wise. He didn't want to be there. He wanted to be in Miami. Get that money. I get it. But they also essentially picked up by clearing up that room of Jimmy Butler. By clearing that salary space, they essentially also picked up Al Horford, re-signed Tobias Harris, re-signed Mike Scott, got Kyle O'Quinn, and got Raul Neto. Now, Raul Neto and uh, Kyle O'Quinn, probably not the biggest names out there, same with Mike Scott, but they picked up Josh Richardson, Al Horford, 
and got back Tobias Harris. Now, they are not on the same level as Jimmy Butler at all. But collectively, with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons already there, that team looks a lot nicer. It looks a lot, it looks a lot nicer. Yes, they lost J.J. Redick too, but he wasn't really helping them on defense. Great shooter, but he could only, but he could only be there in spurts because he wouldn't shoot. Because he wouldn't play defense. And it's not his fault. He's just not his thing. He could shoot the lights out. He could really shoot the lights out. But he was more of a streaky shooter than more of a keep-you-in-the-game shooter. More of a streaky shooter than more of a keep-you-in-the-game shooter. Now... Like I said before, for the for the for the 76ers, I think it would have been better for them to keep Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick and just run it back because they were just one game away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals where they probably could have also beaten the the Milwaukee Bucks. And they could run it back now because because the, the Milwaukee Bucks lost Mirotic and they also lost Malcolm Brogdon. They 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 can run it back and you don't know where Kawhi is going yet. And he probably won't be able to lead that same Toronto Raptors team back to where they were before. Just run it back. But that's not how it worked out. However, they got great defensive players. Great 3 and D players. in Josh Richardson, Al Horford, Mike Scott. They got a good scorer. Good player. And Tobias Harris. Good role players in Calo Quinn and Raul Nezho. They'll be great off the bench. Like I said, to fill in those little roles for a little minutes. For a few minutes. And they got back what they lost in the trade originally for Jimmy Butler from the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Where they traded away I believe it was Robert Covington and Dario Saric. And what they got back was a bench. A bench to finally help them in the playoffs. Because bench does matter. Even even though they don't play crazy minutes, those those minutes that they play definitely do help. Look at the Warriors in this past NBA Finals. Look at the Raptors. Raptors clearly had the better bench. And it helped them a long way because they would go on spurts and keep that team close in games or extend leads, actually. But they got that back. Even though, even though, they, even though they lost that clutch mentality, that mental toughness, that physical toughness, that ferocity of Jimmy Butler, they got back the bench. They finally got back the bench that they really, really needed. They also got James Ennis back. And that's for the Heat. Let's be honest, they didn't really get much out of this. They got Jimmy Butler and not really much else. I mean, I don't really know why they do this trade. Maybe to be relevant again, kind of. Because with Jimmy Butler there, you can be the 7th or 8th seed in the Eastern Conference. Probably won't win a whole bunch of games. Maybe you get that respect that you want. 
put Miami somewhat back on the map. Earn that respect back for being competitive and tough, fighting in every single game. Maybe that maybe that's what you get out of it. If you're if you're the Miami Heat, maybe maybe that's what you get out of it. Maybe that's all you get out of it. But the clear winner here is the 76ers. They got nice players to fit in with Ben Simmons and uh, Joel Embiid. They're in D players, and they got their bench back that they had previously lost for Jimmy Butler. They are the clear winners of this trade, and I'm not ready to crown them the winner of the Eastern Conference yet, or the or one of the teams to play in the NBA Finals this upcoming year. But they're certainly on their way there. They are the clear winners of this trade, and it could pay off for them in the postseason when it matters the most. Thank you for listening to the G Truth. Be sure to like and subscribe if you are listening to this on YouTube. As well as follow this podcast on the podcast app of your choice and also the podcast app that you listen to the most. Also, be sure to share this podcast slash channel with your family and friends to help this channel grow as well as this podcast grow. It has been the G Truth. This is your host, Giovanni Canales. Thank you for tuning into the G Truth and peace out.